Welcome to Heart to Bark, a podcast for people who love their animals and want to learn more about them. I am your host, Dr. Mark. Come, sit, and stay tuned as we talk about the health and well-being of our furry, scaly, and even feathery friends. Hey everyone, Dr. Mark here. We are back for another episode. We are going to be talking about spaying and neutering. This is a hot topic, especially with rescues. And so I want to dive in and go through kind of what are the different terminology words we use for this? What are some of the benefits, which there's quite a few for spaying and neutering? And then when do we want to spay and neuter? So our timing, what can be some of the things or side effects we see after spaying and neutering, which are pretty minimal? And then what do you expect the day of surgery. What am I going to do when I have my pet spayed or neutered? And so we'll go through all these and discuss kind of the different things. So first, what I want to do is I want to just give you all some definitions and what they mean and what are we actually doing? And so we'll start with females. So in females, we call it a spay. We're going to spay them. The technical term is called ovariohysterectomy, and that is classically what we do in the vet world. Now, there's some other procedures, and I'll talk to you about those that some veterinarians do, uh, but ovariohysterectomy, your classic spay, is the removal of both the ovaries and the uterus. So you're, you're taking the entire reproductive organs out. There is something called a hysterectomy, now, hysterectomy is just removal of the uterus and some sections of the fallopian tubes, but the ovaries are left in the patient or the pet. Now, the reason that would be happening is if you're wanting to keep the hormones that are produced by the ovaries. This is probably not ever done in vet medicine, or at least not that I know of. Uh, I don't know of doing hysterectomies only. Very popular on the human side because the ovaries produce hormones, and that way they don't have to be supplemented. But if there's issues going on at the uterus, that can be removed. Then you have ovariectomy. What that is, is only the ovaries are removed, but the uterus is left in the patient or the pet. This is performed on the vet side. It's not as common, but it is performed. I personally do not do it. I take everything out. Leaving the uterus in there only leaves uh, the potential for issues with that tubular organ. And so I just personally don't like to leave it in there. I don't think there's any research behind it that it does any issues. So many vets will do that because there's no hormones acting on it because the ovaries are gone. So ovariectomies are performed per doctor preference on the vet side for sure. So then we move to males. So in males, we call it a neuter. Sometimes on the large animal side, you'll hear it called a castration. But typically on our dogs and cats, we call it a neuter. The technical term is called orchiectomy. It is the removal of the testicles. So an orchiectomy is when we take both testicles out. Now you can have a crypt orchid. So a crypt orchid is when one or both testicles did not descend into the scrotum. When the puppy or the kitten is developing, the testicle is formed just behind the kidney. And that testicle has to migrate all the way to the scrotum. And so we can find these retained testicles either in the abdomen or just under the skin in what's called the inguinal area. And these for sure need to come out for health reasons. And I'll talk to you about that later. Then there's something called a vasectomy. So a vasectomy is where there's a little tube 
that runs from the testicle to the prostate gland that carries the sperm. And so a vasectomy is removal of that tube or a section of that tube. This is what's commonly performed on the human side in, in men. We rarely, if ever, do it on the animal side, at least small animals. So in cats and dogs, it's typically not done. There are some sterilization practices out there that do utilize it for multiple reasons, but I won't go into those on this podcast. It is commonly used on the large animal side in goats and bulls and the cattle side for heat detection. They call those teasers, but that is something we won't go into either on this podcast. Then you have a non-surgical process to sterilize males, and that's called zuterin. It's approved. It's a zinc compound that is injected into the testicles and sterilizes. But you still have some of the hormonal effects, and we're going to go into a bunch of problems that you can have with these hormones. So spay is removal of the ovaries and uterus in a female. Neuter is removal of the testicles in a male. So now we're going to move into the benefits of spaying and neutering. And I'm going to kind of mix these in back and forth. So just stay with me here. So spaying and neutering has been shown to significantly reduce several of the hormonal-induced problems that we see in our pets that are not. And so the first one we're going to talk about is the most popular reason, which is the control of the pet population. So true reproduction. In dogs, they are what's considered non-seasonal monoestrous. So these females, it doesn't matter what season it is, they can go through a heat cycle but they typically only go through one estrus at a time. The reason is, is because in dogs, they're going to go through their heat cycle, and then they're going to go through a quiet period for about six months. Whether they're pregnant or not, they go through what's called an estrus, or a quiet period. Then in six months later, they're going to go through another heat cycle. So they're a non-seasonal monoestrous species. Then we move to cats. Cats are seasonal and they're induced ovulators. So what that means is they're going to cycle during certain seasons, which in cats is pretty much year-round. They're long-day breeders, so when the days are longer is when they're going to cycle. That is similar to horses, so horses are, are long-day breeders. There's only a short period in the late fall where they may not cycle, but other than that, they're going to cycle over and over and over and over again until they are either stimulated or become pregnant. And most of the time, it's when they become pregnant. Cats are prolific breeders for this reason. They don't have this six months of no estrus activity. They are constantly going through heat and they'll stay in heat until they are bred. So typically, even when they're bred, they will go back into heat and they can be pregnant and nursing a litter at the same time. So once again, they're very prolific breeders. So now let's switch over to the males. So a few things on the males. Dogs actually have a bone in their penis. When dogs are breeding females, they actually use the bone to introduce themselves into the female. And after they are in the female, then they are engorged and they have a gland called the bulbous glandus. And that swells, and that's where we get this quote-unquote lock. So you always hear about males being locked into the female. That is what does that. So key features on a male is they do have a bone, and then they engorge after introduction into the female that then locks them into the female while they are reproducing. 
in cats, cats, their little difference is, is they actually have spines on their penis. And this is important because you can use this to tell if they're neutered or not. So when I was talking about the females, they're induced ovulators. The spines on the male's penis actually stimulates the female to ovulate. And unless that happens, the female will not ovulate. So if you have a male cat that you are not sure if it's neutered or not, all you have to do is expose the penis. And if there are no spines, he's been neutered because those are only there with the influence of testosterone, which is from the testicles. So a few things on the actual estracycle and features of the male. But ultimately, if you spay or neuter these guys, you are going to eliminate their ability to breed and therefore control the pet population, which is one of the big reasons that we do this and is one of the things that, you know, we advocate for, you know, on the vet side, the rescues and shelters and things like that, just to help with this overpopulation issue. Then we move into behavior issues. So aside from the pet population and reproduction, there are multiple reasons why you want to spay and neuter your pets. Behavior is a big one. So in females, this is for dogs and cats, few things that you'll see that will be eliminated if neutered or at least reduced is Cats especially, they're going to vocalize out. They're going to kind of yowl out. Uh, This is one of their uh, things that they do during heat. They may act restless. And the big one is they're going to act very territorial. They want to keep their area. In doing so, they're going to attract unwanted males, whether on the dog or the cat side, which leads to fighting, which we see in males quite a bit. Males are typically more aggressive, so aggression is definitely associated with high testosterone levels. In the males also, so switching to males, they're also going to have territorial behavior, and many of them, especially cats, they're going to start spraying. We'll see this on indoor male cats. They'll spray furniture and things, very undesired trait that can occur whenever they're not neutered in this case. They may urine mark, very common in the male dog. They're just going to walk around and pee on everything, and they're just marking their territory. A lot of these guys are going to wander. They're going to be wandering around the neighborhood seeking out females, especially if there's one in heat locally, and which, which also, again, leads to fighting. Now, just a quick note on this. Once these behaviors are learned, even if you spay or neuter them, they may not stop. So the point of this is, You want to spay and neuter your pet before these hormonal behaviors begin. That way they do not learn these behaviors. So when we talk about timing of spaying and neutering, you want to do it relatively young to avoid all of these behavior issues. So just something to think about when we're talking about spaying and neutering. So the next topic we're going to talk about is infection. So one of the next health benefits in the reason to spay and neuter is to avoid infections. So in females, dogs and cats, some of the common things that we see in unspayed females is urinary tract infections, pyometras. So what a pyometra is, it's a life-threatening infection in the uterus. The tube of the uterus gets full of pus. And then the last thing that we might see is mastitis. So mastitis is an infection in the mammary glands. This is very common in females. In the males, they can also have the UTI, which is a urinary tract infection. And commonly when they have a UTI in males, many of them, their prostate will also be infected. 
And so anytime I'm treating a male with a bladder infection or a UTI, I'm always going to treat the prostate, which is definitely more difficult to treat than just a simple urinary tract infection. And so infections are one of the big things that we see that can occur. Many of them are hormone-induced and involve the reproductive system. And so spaying and neutering definitely helps reduce the risk of infections. So now the last benefit that I want to talk about when we're talking about spaying and neutering is cancer or neoplasia. This is a big one. And the reason this is a big one is because this is not going to happen quickly. This is going to be when they're eight, nine, 10 years old, and they've been intact for a while you're going to see this happen. So it's not going to be an immediate thing that you're going to see, but it's going to be the effects of these hormones in the body for all these years. So I'm going to start with females. This is dogs and cats. So the big one you're going to see is the potential for ovarian tumors, uterine tumors, and probably the biggest one that owners see whenever they're petting their pet is mammary tumor or breast cancer. Breast cancer and mammary tumors, very common in unspayed females that are a little bit older. And many times we'll go in and actually spay them and remove the mammary tumors and their uterus and ovaries are either cystic or they have cancer in them as well. And so this is something that can be eliminated if you spay these females early on. And I highly recommend that we do that for that benefit. Now, moving over to the male, big things that we worry about is testicular cancer and prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is very common in males that are not neutered. And once again, I've had this happen multiple times when we have a seven, eight, nine-year-old male dog come in and they're urinating blood. We do an exam, feel a large prostate, ultrasound it, and it's just this large prostate with cancer in it. And, you know, we talk to the owner and it's like, hey, did you use this as a breeding male? No, it's just a pet. We just didn't neuter him. And, you know, they have this prostate cancer and this dog's seven years old and we're talking quality of life with the owner. When if we would have neutered this guy back when he was three months old, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation and this dog might have lived to 12 to 14 years old. And so this is something that I see a lot and I would just encourage you to get your pet spayed and neutered for these multiple benefits and to reduce and or eliminate all of these risk factors that we do see, even putting aside pet population and and actual reproduction, the health benefits are huge. And I highly recommend that you spay and neuter your pets, which leads me into timing. So there's a lot of literature out there. There's a lot of theories. When do you spay? When do you neuter? It's going to stunt their growth. They're not going to be as big and bulky on the male side. There's a lot of opinions out there that you're going to read about. All I can say is work with your veterinarian and y'all come up with the best plan and timing that's going to fit you and your pet's lifestyles and kind of what your desire is. But I will tell you from my standpoint, I recommend spaying and or neutering anytime after three months. And this is more from an anesthesia standpoint, just to make sure that they can tolerate anesthesia. And so my young and adult pets, I recommend neutering and spaying anytime after three months old. If you do have a breeding male or breeding female, obviously they need these organs. And so you have to have those. But once they are retired from breeding, 
I strongly recommend that you spay or neuter them for the multiple health benefits that we've just discussed. I talk to a lot of breeders and I always tell them, when you're done, spay or neuter this pet. Then we move into geriatric pets. So say we have one that just wasn't spayed or neutered and it's, you know, a little bit older. Once again, just like the breeding, I recommend spaying and neutering these guys even if they're older. So we may do a little bit more, maybe a little bit of blood work, maybe an ECG, things like that, just to make sure anesthesia is going to be okay. But the benefits far outweigh the risk of anesthesia in an otherwise healthy older pet. Bottom line, it's best to spay them when they're puppies older than three months old. If they're already adults or breeding, spay them as soon as possible and, and or neuter. So just to, to think about that. So now I want to go into the quote unquote side effects of spaying and neutering. So if you want to call them side effects, basically there's two big ones that we see. One is weight gain. So what happens when you spay and neuter is the metabolism will slow about 30%. And so what you have to do from that standpoint is you have to monitor their food intake. So since their metabolism is slowing, then you need to decrease their food amount to compensate for that. Many of these guys, it's been shown that they definitely will potentially gain weight if we don't address this, but it's something to watch. Watch their body condition, monitor their food intake, and definitely make sure that they are not overeating and getting the exercise they need so that they can maintain that body condition of a five out of nine. The other thing that we see, and it's common in females, spayed females, is incontinence. So they actually just dribble urine. Some of the incontinence issues that we see are hormone-induced, and so spayed females sometimes will become incontinent. Not super common, but it does happen, and there are medications that can help control that. Once again, these two things are not enough for me to say do not spay and neuter. I would still highly recommend spaying and neuter for the multiple benefits that we get from spaying and neutering these guys. So the last thing or one of the last things I want to cover is what's going to happen the day of surgery. Everybody always wants to know, so what am I going to do? What do I need to do? Uh, my dog's going to get spayed or neutered. The first thing you want to do is the night before is feed them dinner, but pull the food and do not let them have anything after midnight. They can have access to water the entire time. Don't pull their water. They can have water up to the point of surgery. Just pull the food the night before. So no breakfast, basically. You're going to bring them into the clinic. You're going to drop them off in the morning, typically. We try to get them here as soon as possible so that we can just get all the pre-op stuff done before we put them under anesthesia, which is the next step. So uh, we'll place them under anesthesia and we will perform the spay or the neuter. And depending on the veterinarian, there might be sutures that are external I personally put them under the skin, so they're all internal and they will dissolve out over time. So I usually don't have anything external that they can chew on, but that is definitely surgeon preference. And then they'll recover in the hospital. So the next few hours they will wake up and metabolize the anesthesia. Pets usually go home the same day. I personally send them home the same day, usually after three o'clock, and they are awake and should be moving around very well. So then at home, what we typically do is we let them set their own pace. Don't stimulate activity. Just kind of let them sleep off the rest of the anesthesia. Just relax for the night. In the evening, I would feed them half of their normal diet. If they don't eat it, I don't get worked up, but just offer about half of what they would normally eat. And then usually by the next morning, they're pretty much back to normal, back to their daily routine. You can get them back up to their normal ration. 
and you just want to monitor them for licking the site, make sure it's just continuing to heal. And over the next 10 to 14 days, just watch it. You know, if they start picking at it, licking it, then, you know, an e-collar might be given or things like that. Bandaging if we need to. But I would say most of these guys don't mess with it, especially with sutures under the skin. And many of them by the next day didn't even know anything happened. So if there are stitches on the outside, you may recheck in anywhere from 7 to 14 days, depending on the veterinarian. If they're under the skin, they may not have you do a recheck. You're good to go. And so that is what you would expect the day of surgery. So one last thing I just want to cover is, you know, we have a lot of pet owners that'll come in and be like, I don't, I don't want to neuter my pet. I don't want to spay my pet. You know, and I start to go through all the reasons that it's beneficial that I just went through and all the risks and just all the different aspects of spaying and neutering. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to uh, they are reluctant to spay just from ego. You know, he's a male. I don't, I don't want to neuter him. Males, dogs do not have an ego. They strictly reproduce and breed for these reproduction reasons. They do not breed for pleasure. And so from an ego standpoint, they're just reproducing to increase the population in a sense. So unless they're a breeding animal, there is no reason to have an intact pet. The benefits far outweigh the risks. And if you're holding back on spaying and especially neutering. It's usually neutering where we get the most resistance. If you're holding back on that from an ego standpoint, that is not how I would think about it. I would definitely reevaluate and look at all the benefits that we get from spaying and neutering. And so just wanted to leave you with that last thought because I know that's a lot of controversy that I definitely see, uh, especially with the male side. So highly recommend spaying and neutering. It's a very quick procedure for both. They recover really well, and you get all the multiple benefits that uh, I just explained in this podcast. If you all have any questions, definitely reach out. Uh, we have our email there. Reach out to your veterinarian, ask them, uh, contact us if you all have any other topics you all want to hear. But I uh, hope you all got some information from this podcast and uh, look forward to the next one. You all have a great day. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this type of content, then hit that subscribe button for new episodes every week. For more information about this podcast or printable PDFs, visit our website at drmark.vet. That's D-R-M-A-R-K dot V-E-T. And feel free to email us about new topics to put on the show at info at drmark.vet. Also, check out our social outlets like Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram to stay up to date with our activities. Thank you and have a great day.